Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Today, I am hosting Matt Mays, and this is a very special podcast for us because it is the release of our new illustrated book. So I am the author, and Matt is the illustrator of Ezra Aztec Princess. And it comes out this week. So we thought we would give you a little bit of a preview and some behind the scenes of how this book came together because it's a really cool story. Matt, do you want to just introduce yourself briefly and talk a little bit about how we met? Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Tricia. My name is Matt Mays and uh, my company is Quantum Keyhole Studio. I'm a mythical artist and I love working with just storytelling. Uh, we've, we've both come together on a draw towards strong female characters. And so that was a big part of the inspiration. And um, I find it really interesting in our meeting how we came together through a group or uh, a group, yeah, a meeting called Strangers Workshop, Strangers to Superfans, and then ended up becoming really big fans of each other's work and having a collaboration come out of that. So um, yeah, we met in that group and we decided to keep talking and knew we wanted to work on something together, but it hadn't really come together yet. Like the idea wasn't really there. And then sometimes you get these ideas. It's like, well, this this seems so obvious to me that uh, um, it's so obvious and so simple that it's brilliant that what if you wrote a short story and I illustrated it and so we just got so jazzed by this idea and we really wanted to center it around Aztec culture so you know we have the setting and we've we've got an idea of kind of where you want to go and then Tricia asked if I would come up with uh, some ideas for character and her setting and because she has a very character driven process which I've come to learn means that she can basically take a, a setting and a number of characteristics and unfold the whole entire narrative out of it it's just so cool to see so um, some of the ideas that we started with were her having a mark of some kind a uh, connection with the creature aspect and clairvoyant powers. So, you know, being able to read minds and tell people's futures and, and that sort of thing. And um, the name was an especially uncanny part for me. I've had this name, Azrea, in my mind for several years. And I know I've, I've like seen it and <laughs> I've seen it somewhere <laughs> like, uh, I think it's a World of Warcraft character or something, something like that, anyways. But I've had this name in my mind. It's it's stuck in my mind for several years. And so I pitched it because it's a Latin sounding name. And um, I thought, you know, I thought it was really cool. 
And then, of course, Tricia goes and researches it, and we come to find out it, it actually translates to powerful queen. So how perfect is that for our character? And this, this is something I, I, I have to say, I really pride our story on this. Where else do you see this idea of like the character and the story actually being kind of developed around the meaning of the name itself? I think usually it's the other way around where you'll have an idea for a character and then you'll like, then, you, then you'll name that character. But um, I think it was really cool how, how it sort of unfolded really organically that way. Yeah, it was very cool for me too, because I, yeah, we just went from the name and built this whole character and this whole story from this one name and the fact that she was set in this culture with these powers. And I just think it was, yeah, the way we met and when I looked up your website and I saw your art and they look like goddesses or many of your drawings um, look like goddesses, I knew right away. I was like, oh, I like this guy. I'm going to contact him. And I was, I was thinking way too small. Like Matt was thinking much bigger and much cooler than me when he said, oh, let's write a story and I can illustrate. And I was like, wow, what you mean? Like, yes, it was an obvious idea that for whatever reason hadn't popped into my mind yet. That's awesome. And I think that's, that's a really great example of, well, really dynamic collaboration too, is where well, you've got, you've got your skills, I've got my skills, and we find some, uh, some alchemical way of putting them together and making something that's, that's even better than some of its parts, you know? Right, so a little bit more about Azrea as Tech Princess. She is an Aztec, or priestess. I don't know why I got that wrong. Aztec priestess. She's not a princess. She does not come from royalty. She's born in, to a farmer and his wife in the Aztec um, empire around 18, well, she would have been born before 1821. We'll go back 13 years before 1821 when the Aztec were conquered, in 1821, the Aztec were conquered by the Spanish. And I don't know why, like, well, I do know why, because my son, when he was in eighth grade, did this project on the Aztecs and the, how they were conquered by the Spanish. And that has stuck with me um, because he was so excited about it. And he did this whole map and he um, just put a lot into this project. I thought it was so cool. And that kind of spurred me to think, well, what if she tries to save her people from the Spanish? It was kind of a fun, you know, how can one 13-year-old girl save all of her people from these conquerors? And we won't give away any more than that, but that's the gist of the story. And like Matt said, she has those some powers, which we're not going to divulge all of them. You'll have to read the book, but... Um, and it was really fun for me to write with someone or at least story build with someone. I, I don't usually do as much of that story building with, you know, we would bounce ideas off each other and I'd say, well, what if this happened? And Matt said, well, what about this? And, you know, it just seemed to just flow from our collaboration. So cool. So cool. And uh, being able to see that level of involvement too, I have to say, I'm on part for your writing, you know, as I as I experienced it, like the the level of detail 
and the culture, the different customs, um, you know, the glossary of terms, we have a glossary of terms at the beginning of the book. And, you know, it just all indicates really well that uh, it's been heavily researched. We really wanted to do honor to the culture and to the story at the same time. And yeah, it was really, <laughs> um, really a lot of fun to see. Um, really like imagining this character you know like she starts off in this level of imagination this level of um, non-form we have ideas and they you know they come to us and then we go through this process and turn them into something and then as I'm reading through the book reading her experience reading about um, who she is it's like wow this, I mean, it's like she was in the room right here, right now, except through words. Well, that's awesome because that's the goal for that person to be right in that, or for you to be in that person's story, right? Not both ways for her, the characters to be in your head and you to be in that person's story and that person's world as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you can take this adventure as if, uh, almost as if you were her too. And it really goes the, the other way. And I think that we, we do that in terms of uh, reading through a book or watching a movie and we're um, empathizing with the characters, but we're also kind of relating to them as if we were them in that situation somewhat subconsciously, I think. And, and I think, uh, yeah. I think it really just speaks to um, speaks to the the experience of an outsider too, her going through this story. And again, I, I won't give away too much, but there is one part that I I looked at my own life and I'm like, wow. I mean, I feel like I really relate with this experience right now. I feel like um, I feel like I've you know gone through something very similar to this, and there are quite a few people that can feel the exact same way reading through this, this story. Like, and that's what makes it really relevant. That's what makes it really relatable to people. They're going through that narrative and then you have something to grab onto. And when she, when she succeeds, you, you know, you, you can also succeed when she, you know, when she, uh, you know, falls down, stumbles in, in some different ways. It's like, all right, I mean, you're, you're, you know, we go through challenges and it's like, if this person can make it in some way, then maybe I can break through too. That's really cool that you were inspired in that way. And I love that the illustrations really fit with the theme and the, the feel of the book. I don't know how else to describe that. I have, if you're watching this video on YouTube, you can see the poster, but I have the image from the cover that Matt created. And it's just really fun how the art came about. He sent me some initial sketches and it was just so exciting to see the character of Australia as well as the other characters in the book, as well as the backdrop of their surrounding set in central Mexico. Um, and Matt, do you know the one way that I went off um, from historical fact? Do you know what, what that is? The one big oh, um, 
I'm I'm actually not sure. <laughs> Do you want to? Yeah, I did the most research for this book that I've done for any of my books. Um, constantly scouring Aztec history. There was really some, really good job. Yeah, their language. I checked everything, but the one way I bigly diverted, bigly diverted is that a word? Um, <laughs> is that they never <laughs> they never had a written language. They only had a spoken language. And I do have Rhea, Azrea read books and have books. So that was my one divergence from historical fact in that manner. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I think it's it's at least very honest to admit that. <laughs> I, I did admit it to my newsletter peeps, um, but most of my peeps will understand that it's historical fantasy, historical mm -hmm. fiction, although it was set in historical, relatively correct historical setting. Yeah. I will show the people that are watching a video of the cover of our Soraya. We have a hardcover book that we're producing. Matt is going to do a very special edition with some painted edges, which is going to be really pretty. And there will be a paperback book as well available. So all of those options, as well as the ebook, which releases August 23rd. So we're really excited for everyone to read it. Yes. Yay. Yay. We have several events coming up. So if you follow our Instagram, our author um, social media pages, uh, as well as our newsletter, you'll be following those. We have a special giveaway that I guess um, is before this podcast will release. So we won't even tell you those details. Uh, Matt, do you want to talk about any more about creating the art for this? Yeah, um, well, I have to say it really was, uh, I'm delighted how much of a back and forth type of process it was, as you alluded to earlier. Um, I really, want, so this is my first time like working on a book, right? And so uh, I try and keep that beginner's mind where when I'm learning new things, I mean, a bunch of this was new things, right? Uh, so, so I kept going back through the story and reading different parts. So, so it was really helpful, like having a list of the different illustrations I would do, because then I can go to that part of the story and see, was it nighttime? What, you know, what kind of colors might be in there and asking these these important detail questions. So uh, so I can do the best justice I can in aligning the art with the writing, right? Um, so then I, yeah, <laughs> I think in the future, I'll also refine my process for digital art because I started with, uh, with like outlines, pencil and paper, and then physically inked them and then physically marked them and then drew all over in, in Illustrator anyways. That seems a, a little silly, but uh, but at least the physical drawings are very clear. And I, I really don't regret it too, because, well, it, we, kind of, we kind of included a little bit of a goodie. I guess I could say that at the very end, uh, really wanted to include the concept art so you can really see the different stages that the illustrations have gone through, which I think is really fun. I think that's that's really cool. When say you have different illustrations that you really like, you can go back. Oh well, this is like this went 
this is the pencil and this was the colored version and and all that i think it's really exciting so um so yeah i i think it was really fun not just creating this project but also learning and getting to share this culture with uh, with our readers i do too so yeah this is my first illustrated book and matt said short story before and i don't know how short we thought it was going to be but it ended up being actually i think 280 pages for the full the, the whole book but 20 of those pages are the images so it's it's 45,000 words over 45,000 words so it's really more of a novella link um which is a pretty decent link especially for a YA book um so I think it ended up being longer than we thought which is great because it's, <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful story or well I'm saying that from the author's point of view it's a wonderful story you'll love it, it is. Um, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was my first illustrated book as well and there are 10 full color illustrations that go through the story. We also have maps. And like Matt said at the end, there are bonus illustrations. So if you like um, drawing or you're interested in art, and you think you might be interested in graphic novels or illustrating novels, then I think that's something cool that um, people will like as well. But um, yeah, and then I've never done a hardcover book before. So that was super exciting for me. So yeah, so I think this is, brought more to my skill set as well. We had some great people helping us like Joe Michaels who did our formatting and Daryl McCool who helped us bring the cover together with Matt's art. So there are definitely other people that helped along the way too. And um, having those good supporting people is really important as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Big shout out to Joe and Daryl. Thank you for for all the work making this really right and nice and pretty and you know getting it all together and making it official and yeah it's, it's exciting it's definitely very exciting yes and for all our people who are in the denver area we have events coming up so watch for those september 20th we'll have one at the gypsy house on broadway and then we may have an event in october oh, the, the 10th Oh, sorry. September 10th. Oh, sorry. 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 Yeah, September 10th. Yes. Right. And then we may have one October closer to um, Northwest Denver. So that will be fun as well. So we'll be able to share our book and the art with many more people. And we're excited about that. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. We, we're going to have a lot of fun being able to share the book, share um, more, more of the inspiration i guess talking more about the story itself we didn't really get into the story and uh in our talk today so you know well, we, we, definitely, can definitely, we, definitely, we can definitely dive in um do you want to talk about it or do you want me to talk more um why don't you talk about it okay so as matt said azrea is her, her, the story begins at the beginning of her life. She remembers her own birth, and it's a first told through first person. So it's Azrea's voice and what she experiences growing up as a child, marked supposedly by a god. Um, her parents are very feel, fearful for her and her situation, so they take her to a shaman, and the shaman tells them that 
they need to bring her back at the age of three and that he will take care of her and make sure that she stays safe and that she may have other powers as well. So he plans to train her and her parents do just that. She is cared for this by the shaman until the age of three. I don't want to give too much away. Um, and he helps her grow her powers. And then there is an incident where the shaman, her thoughts and feelings and her sense of right and wrong deviates from his sense of right and wrong. And she makes the decision to follow her heart and go off on her own to try and find truly more of a quest um, to save her people, really. Um, and she does that without a lot of support, but she shows a lot of courage and heart and really just, you know, pull, they didn't have boots back then, but pulled from the bootstraps <laughs> and um, really trying to help her people through this scary and challenging time that the Aztec people are in when the Spanish were um, conquering many of their city-states. So I mm. think I wrapped it up pretty well. I don't yeah. want to give too much away. Um, as Matt said, she has some clairvoyant powers. She can see the future. So that is helpful for, um, quote-unquote, a superhero character. <laughs> it's a good one. It's, some good, it's definitely some good powers. And I think it's interesting that, well, this would be a, universal thing this isn't just an aztec thing but uh but like a, a social construction i suppose you could say type thing is is the sense of society being set in its ways in different ways right and so you, you know you have your path that you're supposedly supposed to take and um there is you know when you're growing up and you get to a certain age when you're a kid that you realize, well, I don't think my parents actually know everything, you know, like the, the threads start to kind of come apart and then you have to figure out like how much, you know, how much can I lean on them? How much do they, you know, how much can I rely on my, my parents? And then the rest, you kind of have to fill in with your own experience, with your, your own observations. Um, how you really, how you really see the world, which is very good in terms of testing your actual, uh, the actual accuracy of your perceptions, right? And that's one thing I think we can say about Ms. Rea is at no point in this story do I see her like deceiving herself. Like she goes through this whole story with, uh, with undiluted vision for better or for worse she regards what she, she acknowledges what she sees now i think that we experience that same dynamic with society where we, we get to a certain point well we're you know we have these mechanisms we have the ways that society is and a lot of that we could say is valid it's built for a certain reason but they're like there's a lot of stuff that's kind of toxic there's a lot of stuff that really does not make a whole lot of sense does not really jive with the actual human you know with the way that humans actually are in our spirits how we how we approach life i mean what a concept to you know have society actually built around the way humans actually are right but uh but that's not 
that's not always the case. It's uh, in fact, a lot of times very much not the case. So in terms of her going against certain ways and following her own path and being true to herself, there's a lot of resistance there. So when we see that same kind of resistance in our own lives, when we uh, choose to go our own ways or you know, have, have that type of experience like thrust upon us and we have to figure out what to do with this relationship between ourselves and society, then, um, then we can really look to that. We can really look to Ezra as an exemplar for that journey and see, well, you know what, it's, that's pretty normal actually that she's, she's struggling too. And, uh, and I, can, I can definitely relate to that, but it doesn't have to be the end of the road. It doesn't have to be the end of the world. And in fact, you can find your destiny and you can find purpose in your life, even with all these challenges that we go through and use them as a tool for finding your, finding your way in the world, finding, um, you know, finding yourself through your experiences. I think that's so true. Um and you talked about before um, relating to her being an outsider and then um, just how inspiring her story was, but it doesn't have to be on the huge level of saving a whole culture of, or a whole civilization of people, right? We find our purpose in different small things every day and we ha may have an overarching purpose for um, our drive and our passion in our life, but there's those small things every day that we make those decisions to either you know, listen to our, um, our heart or go, you know, not listen, I guess. Um, and their society was so interesting when I did a lot of the research. In some ways, they were very organized and very rational. And, but in other ways, they were just very insane, which is sort of the same as it is now. Maybe the human culture will always organize in some ways like that. You know, they on one side, they were very fair between men and women. Um, they saw men and women as equals. Um, they had schools, then men and women can be priests and men and, I don't think women went into um, the army. I think that was the only place where women didn't go, but men, mm -hmm. both boys and girls went to school and there was one school for the military and then there's a second school if you weren't going into the military. And, but then at the same time they were, um, sacrificing their people to the gods by throwing them into the fire, right? And so that's mm -hmm. like those two things are, um, you know, we think that's so barbaric, but I'm sure there's things in our civilization that we could, in our, we could look at right now and say, why do we do it that way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and if I could speak to to my own background i didn't don't worry i didn't come from sacrificing people in my oh birthday. good oh wow <laughs> no, yeah because i met you in a coffee house <laughs> and i could have ended up in a trunk right <laughs> no no let's let's just get that one out of the way but uh but i definitely grew up christian and uh went from church to church i, I remember when i uh, first got to colorado I, I think i went to like three four different churches something like that and so i um, I definitely had that exposure as as a child, and um, 
the way I encountered the institution of church, um, you know, there are different denominations. There's there's all different flavors. You got your you got your Baptists, you got your Methodists, you got you know, I just happen to be non-denominational, right? But uh, but nonetheless, a lot of that is based around this idea of of separation between God and humans and um and I I remember feeling a lot of a lot of fear a lot of anxiety and just uh, you know this kind of illness in myself and it was actually a myth that helped me to break out of just being strictly Christian right uh finding that that these these meanings kind of show up in different ways. I mean, you have you have all these different uh, traditions, and they they kind of rhyme in a lot of ways. There are a lot of a lot of similarities, but um, but I hadn't <laughs> I hadn't realized that until much later. In fact, I was pretty atheistic for quite a while, and a little bit more than a little bit of asshole about it <laughs> i'm willing to admit that but then uh, well i've always been someone who has followed his curiosity and i really genuinely wanted to know like what is it that's actually going on here like what and i started to hear people who i respected and people who were uh I would say he would say were influential and had some sort of Zen about them, and I could recognize weren't like fire and brimstone, uh, Bible Belt types mentioning God, and so, um, so I thought to myself, well, is it possible that that they're understanding something that maybe I'm not, and and so this is the conclusion that I've come to at this point. You you have the institution you have you know either you like go fully along with it and you're like yeah i you know believe everything and all the dogma and all that stuff or you're like there's something really fishy about this and doesn't seem right and you may break away from the church but what i've what i've come to is well what if there's a third that there is actually this universal intelligence that um that there is that there is this um you know cosmic web this whatever you want to call it universal mind and um and it is it exists you know regardless of the definitions of these institutions you know and so um anyway <laughs> running back to the, the sacrifice thing uh, that that can also have a metaphorical meaning whether you know whether that was that was grasped at that time or or not if we could think about that because there is this pattern of us sacrificing in our own ways to give to something that's that is even greater like if we're if we're willing to um you know it, it's not always like giving something up but it's like you, you sacrificing your time sacrificing your our uh, laziness, sacrificing, our, you know, burning these things up that are getting in the way of us being our fullest selves and helping us to get on the path of our destinies. There's something, there's something really noble about that. So whether, you know, um, 
So we don't have to go around like, you know, making human sacrifices, but there's something to be drawn from that too. There's something to be drawn from the, the idea of that, uh, that self-sacrifice. Definitely. And I like your idea of this higher intelligence. Um, I grew up in the South and was Christian as well, but I knew from very young age, I think it was fourth or fifth grade, that it finally, not finally, because I was pretty young, but it's, I was like, wait a minute. Um, well, we have these other religions. And if I believe my religion, then God is going to punish these other people for not b believing my religion. And right. <laughs> that doesn't really sound right. That's not the kind of God I want to believe in. So I've kind of come to the realization that I think everyone's right. Um, and I think sometimes that comes through in my books too, because one of my other series, I have a creator and it's the creator. Um, but I think everybody finds their own spiritual place and higher power or higher that helps them in times of need or when they're struggling or, and does, like you said, it may be, I may sacrifice, um, yeah, doing, yeah, doing something that doesn't help me in my path, <laughs> um, towards either, you know, sharing, and I call it magic, and we've talked about this at the very beginning of when we met, like, I kind of call it sharing your magic, like, what is special inside you that makes you a light, and maybe it's you love animals, or maybe um, you, you know, you love helping people, or maybe you're really good at science, or math, or technology, or whatever is kind of in the I think what makes most people happy is being able to share that passion with others. And so, yeah, so my Finding the Magic podcast is based all upon that. And I think that's why I was attracted to you as an artist and a person. And, um, so I, you know, just feel so lucky to have met you. And we have that oh, wonderful same. group to, th to thank for that. Um, and yeah, I'm getting a little... Um, Squishy here, squishy with my touchy-feely <laughs> with my feelings here, but that's a good thing too. I mean, that's how no, we want it. to relate no, to books too. We don't want books to be static on a page. We want to feel all those feelings with our characters, and mm -hmm. um, the meaning behind them is what makes them come alive. Yes, yes, and you know, when when we talk about magic, when we talk about the the imagination and that's that's another thing is i i love words i love language and the way that you can take a word and sort of break it open and find meaning in it like like imagination like you know like the magi nation the eye of the magis that sort of thing it's like well okay so that's it's like there's magic we have we have this capacity to tap into this uh, this non-physical realm, and um, and be able to bring something forth out of it. You know, I would I would say Prometheus is a really good example of that in mythic terms, right? That reaching to to the ethereal place and bringing down the flame and bringing fire down to where where it's uh, able to be put into something that everyone can experience. You know, as as a an artist, I think that's something that we're 
constantly doing. We're reaching into this place that only we can see or hear or know the words. Sometimes we have, you know, these puzzle pieces come down to us and it's, you know, so it's taking it from that, uh, the realm of the, the imagination, the non-physical, the theoretical, and putting it into demonstration, which, you know, we can, <laughs> it's like we could, we could talk all day about an idea, but then it's, you know, it's that process of it coming down into the physical world, like, you know, going from just imagining this book and all of the ideas to, great, let's go through the process and boom, here it is. No? Yes, and I'm so grateful that people have artistic talent because I have absolutely zero artistic <laughs> talent. So I, and maybe you could help me. I could take one of your art classes, and but I've tried for a long time. So I'm not, I'm maybe that should be sale. But I shouldn't say that because I'm still, I have a lot of my life yet. But. Well, it's, well, well, one, yeah, I'd be more than happy to teach you how to draw, you know. Um, <laughs> Second, we have our different mediums, right? I mean, well, this is something I want to share with people is we have this set defined idea of cre creativity as like uh, a set number of activities, drawing, painting, you know, writing, making music and whatever. But, uh, but more broadly, it's a way that we encounter life. It's a way that it's built into the, the way that we come through in the world you know and it's healthy it's healthy too in, in fact I, I heard this one time this absolutely blew me away it, it, speaking of words like when we're depressed you think about like something pressing down right it's pressing down in you the antithesis of that is expression oh neat it helps it come out you know even if we're like moving our arms around you know we're engaging ourselves in the world in different ways like i love any way that i can do that i love uh, drawing painting dancing um fitness you know it's it's that coming out you know that that full um enthusiastic engagement with the world sometimes just sometimes just a, a willful <laughs> engagement you know sometimes we have to like you know, give ourselves a little kick in the butt. To, <laughs> to, well, I'm, to yeah. I'm glad going. you're telling me that my running is a creative expression. <laughs> oh, so I'm, oh, I'm getting 100%. points for that. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. And like myself, I love swimming too. Uh, I love going, I love going to my gym and there's a black pool there and yeah, I'll go for, a, uh, I'll go for a good swim over there. And, and I've started well, I want to, I want to work on my breath control. I've been working on my breath control for a while. So I, so I do these uh, bobs. <laughs> In fact, uh, I was talking to this woman at the pool and I was like, hey, you look like you can uh, hold your breath for a good long time. Do you have any tricks for that? I love to do that. Curiosity, you know? And so she's like, yes, actually I do. And so she taught me this trick where, um, where you hold your breath like you take a deep breath and then you dip down into the water and you just hold your breath underwater come back up repeat that and you know do that at the maybe beginning and end of any 
lap and or you could go two laps and come back and do that whatever but yeah it really helps with um the the specific thing that it does is it creates uh breath and heart coherence so like when you're underwater when you're swimming and you you know we spend most of our time above uh water right like we, if you're we, not a mermaid yes yeah. yeah if you're not a mermaid right <laughs> so so it's like you have to but we have this capacity to be underwater right so it's like we have to remind ourselves how to do that and um it's funny thinking that like our bodies are what 70 percent watered so um so it's like by doing that, after after a little bit it's like wait a minute i'm 70 percent water i know water yeah. This. Yes. So, so we we have that ability, and yeah, I have definitely noticed improvements in doing that, like doing that exercise and going consistently swimming. So yeah, it's a lot of fun for me. Cool. You should read Island of the Sea Women by Lisa C. It's about this community um, of women in Southeast Asia, and they always got, they like dive without any oxygen tanks and they have done this for hundreds of years and they can stay under for I think hours. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, we are going to wrap it up for today. We're going to talk about where everybody can find you. If they want to find your art, tell us your website and maybe your social media accounts. Absolutely. Thank you, Tricia. And yeah, thank you for for having me it's been an absolute pleasure talking about this wonderful project um it's definitely been been a blessing working on this big time uh, you can find my website www.quantumkeyholestudio.com or i also have a, a link tree it's uh, uh they they do the link kind of weird it's like l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e i think it's backslash UK studio. And I'm also on Instagram, quantum keyhole studio, one word, uh, LinkedIn. I just started a Pinterest and uh, Facebook, the Facebook group, quantum keyhole studio. Lots of fun. Yes. Please look up Matt's art because it's amazing. He even has a download about his art. So that was really interesting for me to read as well. And we have all the links in the description of the podcast. So thank you. Thank you, Matt, for being here. I'm so excited about our release as Rhea Aztec Priestess. It's an illustrated mythology legend. You can find it on Amazon. My website is trishacopeland.com. So thank everyone for tuning in. Yes, thank you. Thanks. Bye, Matt. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Tricia Copeland, and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week, discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep finding the magic.